Ladies and gentlemen, sickos and normies, welcome back to the Landy Lodge podcast, episode 69, with my good man. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> Save that for a surprise for you. With my good man, David Freeze of Brown Sugar and the Blind Albinos. And we're here to discuss whether the Pokemon series can make a comeback. And don't worry, we're going to go into full detail about what we mean about that. But before we roll down into that, David, I'd love it if you took a moment and let the people know what you're about. So I'm David. Uh, are we talking about what I'm about Pokemon-wise or just in general? Well, tell them, tell them about the band and then proceed to tell them your history with Pokemon. I think that would right. be so, uh, so things are going great with the band right now. Uh, me and Brown Sugar and the Blind Albinos. Uh, we started practicing again a couple weeks back. Uh, we had to take a little break because our drummer Jimmy hurt his shoulder and he really can't drum without his shoulder. You know what I mean? F in so, the chat uh, for Jimmy. Past couple weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, look, uh, we're we're moving on, and uh, we have a bunch of songs that we're getting ready to record we want to have this next ep out by the end of the year that's what i hope uh where we got at least five six songs ready to go and i can't wait to expand our catalog officially hell yes and i can uh i can just say i'm really looking forward to it because your first ep it was solid it was excellent but i've seen you guys live and you've got more punch to you and I can't wait to see it expressed That's on the, the next thing. EP. Yeah, so you get it. But anyway, we, this we is We about... want to get that live on the app. <laughs> exactly. But we're here to talk some Pokemon. Now, let's, as a preface, I think when we're saying, can Pokemon make a comeback? I think it'd be sh- smart if you and I shared our opinions about the series first. So would you, would you like to lead off with that? Oh, okay, sure. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> so I have been a big fan of Pokemon since I was, since I could remember, right? I remember my first experience with it. I was at a, a New Year's Eve party at my Uncle Richie's house. And my cousin Kimmy was, and my cousin Richie were both into the show. And I sat down and we watched the show all New Year's through the ball drop. And since then, it was, <clears throat> I would watch the show on my own. I got the games. And this, this all happened when I was, what, it started in 97 in the U.S. or 98, something like that. Yeah, 97 and sounds about right. I remember my earliest, like, memories have been involved with the franchise. I've played every generation. I've, I, I'm one of those guys that gets both games because... I like to get my initial playthrough and then I'll play it again with like updated things. And I don't know. It's just always been there for me. How about you, my friend? So I'm very similar to you. I actually have a memory of my first day of kindergarten and I had a team rocket uh, folder. So it's like, like you, man, it's just like Pokemon's always been there, you know? So it's, it's always got a special place in my heart and, you know, whether they release an absolute banger like Heart Gold and Soul Silver, or they release something lackluster like Sun and Moon, 
at the end of the day, I'm a fan of the franchise. I'll find a way to enjoy the game that I'm playing. Um, but you know, I think what we're here to talk about just to get it out of the way, my opinion of sword and shield, I liked it more than sun and moon. I think the wild area is the best thing the series has incorporated in a very long time. I, I, I think the wild area should become more of the game. And I think the entire game should just be that. Exactly. And I think the DLC is sort of getting at that. So we'll talk, you know, in depth about that, but overall, and you know, this is something we talked about on our last solo episode together. Oh, yeah. um, overall, you know, the, I, I want to say this without being mean, but there were a lot of things in Sword and Shield that were lazy. You know, this is the most powerful Nintendo console we've ever had. And the graphics look like they came from a Wii game or a GameCube game. And look, at the end or, of the day, Or just like an updated 3DS game. Or <laughs> like, like a, exactly. On. And it's like, when you think about the history of gaming, and you think about what Pokemon means to the history of gaming, and what Pokemon did... It, it, for RPGs in the West, for, you know, oh, yeah. especially bringing JRPGs over into the West. When you think about the barriers that Pokemon broke down in its early days, you can't help but be a little disappointed at what we're yeah. getting today. And look, I'm the first, I'll be the first one to say Sword and Shield is a step in the right direction. The Wild Area is genius for the series. Mm -hmm. But when we're thinking about the last few generations as a whole, it's been a little lackluster, but we've also it's seen them like go the, back. Guided tour through, through general, through regions. You, you, no choice. You'll get like, and I get cutscenes for a long time in games. Fine. But, but in a Pokemon game where you're just trying to adventure and go around and fight trainers and we don't need to be sitting around getting these long exposition dumps and then you move two feet and then it's another thing. And then you move two feet. And then it's another thing. It's like, come on. I want an you know, adventure. It's, and it's, that's what the wild area was. And I'll say, Sun and Moon's biggest problem was it was hand-holdy. They held your hand through the whole fucking game from beginning to end. The problem with Sword and Shield is it's holding your hand everywhere but the wild area. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But something else Sword and Shield did really well, you and I have talked about this, the gym leaders are cool. The, the character like designs, that. like... Go ahead. Go ahead. You, you look like each has like a distinct character. You like you can you get to know these characters too. They appear se several times, uh, like, uh, and then at the end when you get into the tournament at the end, you battle them again, and you get to fight their like updated teams. And it's just their actual characters. And then you get to fight alongside them, right? And you get to, and it's like they know you. It's like you live, you do kind of live in that world. You know what I mean? And this is kind of what I'm getting at when I say, I feel like Sword and Shield made a lot of steps in the right direction. I think a lot of the places where it fell was the campaign could have been a little better. The moves were garbage. The, the visual oh. aesthetic of anything that wasn't a Dynamax move was basically um, and then if it was a Dynamax move, there were only like five of them because each type becomes one Dynamax one, move. One di exact, 100%. So it's like, it's a game with a lot of warts, but also a lot of bright spots. So it's like, if someone came away and loved it, totally understand. If someone came away and hated it, totally understand. Personally, 
I've had a lot of fun playing Sword and Shield more than I have playing Pokemon in a long time. So I, I can extend that olive branch to Sword and Shield. But, you, you know, you're someone who's played through the DLC already. What are your thoughts on the DLC? And do you think it's a model that the Pokemon series needs to emulate from here on out? Oh, 100%. That's, that's exactly my opinion on it. It needs to be uh, move into that sort of direction. So it's, it's a lot of, um, it's more like the wild area. You move the camera wherever you go. You get your Pokemon to follow you, even though it's like kind of uh, iffy the way they do it. It's not as well done as in like, let's go. But um, you, you move around with the Pokemon. You, the, the different areas of the, the wild area are distinct. Unlike the, the regular wild area, which looks like just one big area, and you move one foot and it's like a sandstorm, and then you move back and it's raining. So it's like, <laughs> it's, it's just so sudden and weird. There's distinct biomes and different places you can go, and you can ride on like an ocean type thing, and there are islands out on the ocean. And if I, if I could imagine like, walking up to a Pokemon gym the way I do in uh, the way you open, go to that dojo in the, in the, in the DLC, I would feel like that, that building was big. It was like, you, you, you've seen it. It had a presence, dude. It it dominated the space it was in. Exactly. If we can move in that direction, it's like, I'd, I'd be like totally dropped that in love with that game. You know what I mean? And I feel like this is what they're doing, right? Because the whole DLC wouldn't be structured like this if they weren't thinking, hey, this is what worked. You know? Right. I, I feel like right. the Pokemon team came away saying like, hey, the wild area really sticks. You know? Because even the and- people who didn't like this game very much, a lot of them did enjoy the wild area. Yes even though it got a little repetitive after a little bit, but it was the odd, the best part of the fucking game. And di- I think you were the one who were tell- was telling me about the rumors that they weren't originally supposed to put it on Switch. Yeah, the rumors, the rumors were that apparently Game Freak, um, and, you know, who knows at the end of the day how true this is, but the rumors are, so everyone who's listening, take this with a grain of salt. The rumors are, that Game Freak thought the Nintendo Switch was doomed to fail. So that's why their original plan was, we're going to make Let's Go Pikachu, Let's Go Eevee, because that's an easy spinoff. It's Gen 1. We've done it 100 times already, just banging out in a, new, in a new coat of paint. So they made something pretty basic like that because they thought Nintendo was going to move to a mobile platform. Now, to be real, if you're Game Freak, it's easy to see the Wii U was a failure. And then you see that Sony and Microsoft are excelling. So you think, okay, Nintendo's going to go full handheld because 3DS worked, but um, the console didn't. So Game Freak was making this game to be compatible for a 3DS-type system and or your mobile device. But then when they saw the Switch was sticking, they kind of realized they needed to port this over to the Switch. And then Nintendo said, hey, we're discontinuing the 3DS eventually everything's moving to the switch all development to the switch um and you know game freak can be lazy 
But I think the reason we saw such old-style graphics was because I don't think they had the Nintendo Switch in mind when they started crafting this project. No. With, with how linear all the roots were and how, like, run-of-the-mill it was besides the wild area, it's, you could, it looks like it could have been a phone game. Yeah, it, it 100%. Look, that's not taking a shot at phone games, but it's like, no. we're on the most powerful Nintendo hardware that's ever existed. We need, hey, Pokemon, people have, here's your chance to step right. up. You know what I mean? People have been clamoring for the, the, the home console, mainline Pokemon game for years. And that's what, what was made it's, it's like and this the is why th- was there exactly and this is why i think part of it had to be confirmation bias on their point because mm-hmm. you know they're they're game freak all the mainline pokemon games have always been handheld so for them to think hey no matter what nintendo sticking a handheld can't really blame them but it, you know times change you mm-hmm. know and nintendo's gone one note they used to be console and handheld they brought them together Times mm-hmm. are changing. It's not enough to just make a handheld style game anymore. Sorry, it's, Game Freak. We need a console style game. Right. It's true. You do. And it's scary that for most of Pokemon's lifespan, it's been on a, uh, uh, a handheld, handheld system, system. And it has made almost as much money as Mario and Zelda. The two yes. highest sell- selling um Nintendo games, franchises. And it stands and they to... were sold at half price. Exactly. For and listen, mostly... yo, it, it, it's... Oh, hold on. Oh, okay, I can't... Uh, I just learned something new. Apparently, you can't minimize a Zoom screen when recording. But anyway, um, I think I read something that Pokemon as a franchise, not just the games, but as a franchise, is like the most popular franchise in the world. The, the highest grossing franchise in the highest world. Highest grossing franchise, better way to put it. Um, don't know if that's still true today here in 2020. I think I read that like a year ago. But it even stands to reason that if it's top five franchise mm-hmm. in the whole world, you know what I'm talking about? And this is where it's like, Game Freak has an opportunity. Guys, your game is going to sell. Like, it's going to sell. Take risks. You know what I mean? Well, here's, here's, here's my thing. And here's what, what I get nervous about. And, and I think this is what Game Freak freaks out about, too. Um, there was precedent for them to, to not want to uh, change it up, really. They want to keep things the same. Because once black and white were released, they, they had the most lukewarm reception from any other game. So they – and that was like their – like reboot like you couldn't catch any old old pokemon you you had to go across an entire new area and and it was very story centered and so they tried to take this big risk and it was a dud but what they didn't realize was that black and white 2 the second one outsold the first one and was uh, infinitely better so it's not like they were punished for the new things it was it was that something that they were doing with those new things just didn't work you know what i mean it just didn't stick 
Um, and look, to their credit, the wild area is a new thing. It is a new risk. So there's right. a side of them that wants to do this. Um, right. But I just think, and look, at if the end I of the day, Pokemon's got to be... Yeah, and, and look, at the end of the day, Pokemon's got to be for kids. So it has to stay easy. But... Kids aren't be, dumb. <laughs> kids, thank you. Kids aren't dumb, okay? And... I think it's time to start updating this combat a little bit, okay? If your turn-based combat isn't that different from Final Fantasy One, you need to reevaluate. Mm-hmm. You know, it's time. There's there's a place in this world for turn-based combat. Some people think it's over, an action RPG is going to take over. I don't think that's the case. There's always room for turn-based combat, and it could still be done. But Pokemon needs more of a strategic element involved. You know, you don't have to up the difficulty, but maybe can we just add more strategic elements? And I see they tried to do that with Gigantamax. Yeah. I just don't know if I'm crazy about Gigantamax. I don't hate it. I enjoy it. But it seems... To me, Mega Evolutions was just better to me. I agree that the Mega Evolutions were better than Gigantamax. Like, it's, it's... It's just such another gimmick, like like any other gimmick that they introduce, like Z moves or I think they did it right the first time. You know what I mean? Why why wouldn't why would you change that? Give us more mega evolutions. Come on, you gave us however many, you know what I mean? Not only that, I I'm feel also like- I'm also a big fan of anything that inspires the imagination. And when they introduced yeah. mega evolutions, man, like all over the internet, people were drawing up theoretical mega evolutions for all these mm-hmm. Pokemon. And it's like, when your idea is cool, it engages the player's imagination after they put the game down. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, I've seen some Gigantamax fan art, but I think people were way more into the mega evolutions. Yeah, because it, lo- it looked like a feasible next step for these Pokemon, not out of nowhere, just growing among us. And only some have like a change to them. Yeah, there's some special Gigantamaxes. I will say, I really like Max Raid battles. And I wonder yeah. if there's a place for them without Gigantamaxes. I, I think they would. I, I mean, you could be. always Max Raid a Mega Evolution, I guess, or something. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I'm a big We're fan like- of it because this is the first Pokemon in a while where it's really easy to play with your friends. You know, yeah. you remember link cables, bro? You remember Game Boys yeah. and link cables? Yeah, man. And now you I and I were Max Raid battling the other night. No problem. Right, over the internet. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, there's so many opportunities. And I feel like it's like Sword and Shield was like one foot in the water. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's like, exactly. And I feel like if Game Freak could just put both feet in the water, update the graphics, update the textures, make the moves look cool, right. keep trying to introduce new strategic battle elements, um, you know, and just make more of the game the wild area where we have control of yeah. the camera, where Pokemon are just wildly appearing like mad and random. It just, if you, but if you not, not like camera. appearing two feet in front of you <laughs> and then disappearing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's a little weird. <laughs> I just if I want them to double it, down on all the things they did right this gen. Yeah, they they were they they were so close because they touched something that obviously got the fans excited. 
it, it just a lot of other things just didn't work about it. Well, you know what? Here's something else I want to give them. I really like the Gen 8 Pokemon. You know? Yeah. I think the Pokemon is is one of my new favorite Pokemon. Yeah. Yeah. Toxtricity is good. Who else? Um, I like Bolton a lot. He was a good design. Bolton is great. Um, I like all the. I like all. Grimmsnarl's awesome, bro. He's one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. I love the. um, All the final evolutions of the starters, I'm actually a big fan of. I really like all of them. I, I, I was am accepting Intellion. Intellion? I was accepting. Um, and it sucks because I was Sobble Squad. And uh, I started with Squ- Sobble, and I didn't look at any of like, the leaks or whatever. So I, I saw the evolutions, and I was like, ugh. Dude, admittedly, I always peek at starter evolutions before starting. Uh, that's why I was Grookey Gang. Rillaboom yeah. is the man, dude. Yeah. Banging all the drum, like, so sick. But, yo, freaking Gigantamax uh, Cinderace. Come on, he's standing on a huge fireball. Dude, Come on, he... that shit is cool. Dude, it's cool as fuck. It's cool as fuck. Uh, was it your Cinderace when we were doing the Max Raid battle? Is that yeah, where yeah. I remember? Yeah, you, uh-huh. you did that recently. And he, yeah. the shooting of the fireball that he does, it's fucking awesome. And that's what I mean. That's, a, that's a, like a new move with a cinematic they made from scratch. Right. You know, it's like, you know go, go ahead, go ahead. Even when we don't have, like, visuals, like, if I, you were saying before, you got to update the combat a little bit. The way we do it in, we, we've been playing uh, a D&D Pokemon game with our man J-Rob as the Dungeon Master, and it's us, Charlotte, and Joe Santangelo. Great freaking time every week. What a um, squad. But the, com- the combat in that, is just so much more interesting. Yes. Because you can describe, and, and then you could, on top of not just doing the moves, you can move your Pokemon away, maybe get out of the way of, of an attack. or or. It's like a combination of Pokemon and Fire Emblem. Right. You know? And if you can update the combat to, to just a little more than just you go and then you go, and then you go and it's then you too, go. It's too binary. It's too binary. Right. And like you're saying, kids are not dumb. You can update. You can, you can take it a step further. It, it's okay. You know? Like, type advantages yeah. are cool, and berries are cool, and holding leftovers and items like that is cool. But at the end of the day, I just think the combat in some way needs to be revitalized. And that's the thing. is like, maybe not even that much needs to be done. Maybe it's just a fine What would you say? What would you say they should do? Well, I'm, I'm a psycho, and I'm open to just radical changes, right? Like, I brought up the Fire Emblem Pokemon thing. Yeah. I would actually love to see that. I'd love to see having, like, three or four Pokemon on a board, moving them around strategically, trying to, like, corner enemies or push them a certain way, and then when certain encounters happen, then the fights take place. Something like that could be cool. Um, but if I wanted to be a little bit more, I guess you'd say, safer, with it and keep it more in line with what we already have maybe there's a dodge element you could add or maybe there's an accuracy element you could add so if you hit like there's like a thing that comes in and out and if you hit a right when it hits the target you get the critical and if somebody's going to hit you if you could just jolt at just the right time you'll dodge it's like if you could put those things that are usually left to chance like dodging and criticals in the hands of the player i think it would create just a whole new type of feel 
to the combat because yeah. it's not a matter of I selected this move, now I'll watch it play. It turns into I selected this move and got it. Oh, fuck, just missed. You know? Right. Something like that. And you could, and even with that, you can keep the type advantages too. So like, maybe you dodge, but like, it, whatever. Or even like a defend thing. Like, if you could add a defense, like, it's it, there's so many different things that they could do that they really just choose not to. Yeah, you could even just add the option to guard. You could just have there right. be a guard option. So it's like if you don't want to do a move, you could guard. Because I've always thought about that, like I've been doing one-on-one battles with Joe, and when he uses yeah. his Dynamax, in my head I'm like, I, I wish I could just guard and wait this bitch out, you know? Right. Just little things like that, where it's like, you know, the base combat isn't changing, but you're updating right. these other things, you know? The things that are usually left to chance are now kind of in the player's hands. Exactly. You know, there's room to wiggle, to, to me. Right. To me, at least. I, I agree. It's, it's, it's time for them, again, the Switch is Nintendo's strongest system ever. Why are we still, why are we still gaming like that? And especially when, when we had games like Breath of the Wild, Mario Odyssey, just all games that just completely just... Fire Emblem Three Houses. Fran- right, they revolutionized their franchises. How has it not happened for Pokemon yet? David, you, you, what you just said there is absolutely perfect. When you look across the board at Nintendo's you know, uh, first-party properties, whether it's Mario, whether it's Zelda, whether it's Fire Emblem, these are franchises that have completely revolutionized their series. And I guess what we want is just the same for Pokemon. Right. You know, we just want, want the same feel, thing. I want to feel like an adventure, like it did when we were kids. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's not Game Freak's job to recapture our childhood. But I think what you're alluding to when you say make it feel like an adventure when we were kids is, hey, step up the scale a little bit. You know, I think on my last podcast with uh, Andrew Parker from Send the Invite, um, I'm trying to remember what game we were talking about. But it's like, imagine you had a game you loved from N64. And they just made an HD remaster for it. Like they just did with the Crash Bandicoot series or with the Spyro the Dragon series. And then you play it and you're like, exactly. And then you play it and you're like, oh, this is how, this is kind of what it looked like to me as a kid. Like it, it looked this real to me as a kid, even back then when it was just these polygonal graphics. So it's like, it's not Game Freak's job to recapture our childhoods, but it's like you could make you could step up the scale so much that the way it looks to us is the way we imagined it on our Game Boys. Exactly. And 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 the fact that the Game Boy was such a primitive system and we're still on that same kind of like you know the the way to play the games is really hasn't changed i guess you'd say the gameplay loop right it's the same thing you 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 take the route your pokemon get beat up you get to the town you go to the center you go to the gym you beat the gym you go go to the mart you re-up you go to the route you get beat up you go to the town go to the you know i'm saying it's it's the, go to the gym. Go to the Pokemon Center. Go to the gym. Get the items. Go back to your next one. Go to the gym. Yeah, it's 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 true. But you know what? I I I recently played 
platinum again. And Gen 4 was like, to me, the last like great gen. So I would say Gen 1, 2, 3, awesome. After that, it kind of went for me. I enjoyed X and Y. What do you think I, happened? To, to me, they, they started black and white, tried to reboot things. And then from there, after that lukewarm reception I, that, that I talked to you about, I think they just became afraid to try and, and do anything different. Or, or just, if you're going to do something different, do it in like a side game or something like that. Like I, like I was saying, I played Platinum for the first time since I bought it back in the day. And I was so surprised at how just the combat just worked for that world. Things were difficult. Like anytime I would get to the, to a gym fight, no matter how hard I trained, the gym leaders were like two or three levels or five levels ahead of me. So I, you really have to go back and struggle to, to get through those gym fights. The champion is absolutely ridiculous. Cynthia is like impossible. I had to do a soft reset every time because I just, again, didn't want to go to the Pokemon League again. And I ran out of money. <laughs> how, how, when was the last time you ran out of money in Sword and Shield to where like, oh shit, I can't just buy more items? Never. And never did Sword right. and Shields make me feel like I had to turn back and go grind. Never. And especially if you were chilling in the wild area and you were doing those max raid battles and you were getting those experience candies, it's, it's, it was like a fucking breeze. The only yes. gym that I, the only guy I had like a little issue with was Leon at the end of the At the very game. end, and it was a little issue. Right. Once you got through his whatever couple Pokemon, then then it's like boom, it was over. What were you saying? I've got, I've got something else that needs to be done that I actually think is pivotal to the Pokemon experience. They have got to fix the rival. I can't oh, yeah. take it anymore. The last the two rivals have just been terrible. Mm-hmm. You need a rival. You need comp. You need mm-hmm. like. Don't get me wrong. I guess maybe a kid could have had problems with Hop, but like I steamrolled him every time. I steamrolled every Hop time. every fucking time, and it's like the story. Need him to tell me that I'm a super effective move. Either shut up. <laughs> that exactly. The experience works better when you have the cocky rival. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's it's just. It doesn't work. The friendly rival doesn't work. You make enough friends in the world. You know, and honestly, I thought Marnie was going to be like the, the... Oh, yeah, but she sucked. But she sucked, and then she really softens up at the end. And it's like, yeah. no. Mm-hmm. Do you know how hard I had to work in red and blue to get Gary to say one nice thing about me? You know how, what I had to do? I had to go through the whole fucking game and then beat him. And at the very end, the peak of the game, 
this rival gave me my props and then I was champion. But then you just beat Hop and you're like, dude, you're just in the way of the story. Like I'm trying to capture the legendary right, right now. Do we have to do this battle? It does, it, we don't need to do this. You know, at least with Gary, right. you guys were both competing to be, you know, at the top of the Pokemon League champion. But it's you like Hop, Hop, Hop never felt like a contender for it. From the beginning, he was painted mm -hmm. as your number two, where Gary straight up acted like he was better than you. And I'm sorry if anyone's listening and I'm being a typical Gen 1-er, but this is just how I feel. I, I'm not a loyalist when it comes to Gen 1. In fact, I'm encouraging them to grow beyond it and experiment beyond it. But when it comes to the rival, they nailed it in Gen 1. They nailed it. I, I think they improved with Gen 2 with Silver. I think Silver was a great fucking rival. Uh, Brendan or May kind of sucked in... in, uh, in uh, what was that? Owen, uh, yeah, Sapphire, and then, but Barry. See, that's the thing. Barry in Diamond and Pearl and Platinum. To me, he's he's your best friend, but at the entire time, he's challenging you, and also he's not a bitch. You struggle in your fights with him, but that that's why I love that that game. That I, I I recently played and I went back and I could not believe just how well it holds up. It well, really speaking, does. Speaking of which, you know, we've we've given a solid half hour on can Pokemon make a comeback, what you and I want to see from the series, what they've been doing right, what they've been doing wrong. But the next Pokemon adventure is rumored to be a Diamond and Pearl remake. Would you lose your I shit if they did it? hope so. God, I would lose my absolute shit. I really would. Because if... To, to, even if it was... They, sh like... Completely just remake the entire region exactly the way it was, but upscaled to a Switch standard. Even if it looks like fucking... Uh, like Sword and Shield, it'll be fucking great. Uh, honestly, but if they make it like a whole wild area type thing where they really double down on it and the roots don't feel like you're guiding. And the best part about Sinnoh is that there's like so many parts to it. So you, you move so many different areas in a map. Um, it doesn't feel like a straight fucking line like Galar is. Um, I could just imagine like moving around in that world. But if they don't update the combat, I will still be kind of annoyed. And if they make everyone a bitch, like like weakening everyone because the original games were too hard, then I'll be pissed off. Yeah. They can't nerf this shit. Mm -hmm. they can't. It's but, listen, like, at the end of the day, look at the end of the excuse me. But at the end of the day. The, the formula is rather simple and a child's smart enough to figure it out. If you fight a gym leader and they're too strong, go back in the wild and do some fights. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, even if you make a game like Pokemon hard, the solution's always simple. 
the solution right. is, well, why don't you just go back out there, catch some more Pokemon, fight some more trainers, do some more grinding. You know, it's simple solution. So it's like, no matter what game freak, you're never going to make a game that, that, that's that hard. In fact, I fucking dare you. But like, you're never going to make a game that's that hard because if the gym leader's too tough, I'll just go back to the tall grass. I'll kill a couple mm-hmm. of fucking Spearows and I'll be ready to kill you, Misty. But like, it happened. It happened a couple times on on my platinum playthrough. G- gym leaders kicked my ass, dude. I remember, I remember getting my ass whooped. The first per- like first time I can remember being whooped in the series was red at the end of gold and silver. Absolutely, oh, r- like wrecked me. Brain wrecked. Wrecked me. Wasn't ready for it. I like elite four caliber Pokemon, you know, and yep. I thought that would be enough, but clearly not. Right. You beat all the gym leaders, so you thought you were sitting high and they'd be like 70s, 80s. No, they were in the fucking 80s. It was 80, like, what? And his Dragonite. He had a Dragonite, right? I remember a Dragonite in my nightmares, but didn't he have a Dragonite? Not, I don't think Red had one, no. Red, Red was uh, in gold and silver. It was Pikachu, um, Blastoise, Venusaur, Charizard, Espeon, and um, either Aerodactyl or Snorlax. Maybe it was Snorlax. I think it was Snorlax. All right. I just looked it up that for was us. His team. I looked it up for us. Here's his team. Come his on. team is Blastoise, Charizard, Venusaur, Snorlax, Espeon, Pikachu. Ah, I was Snorlax. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Perfect. I love the Espeon. Honestly, Espeon's one of my favorites. I just love. I love. They the took one. Espeon out in the remakes. In Heart Gold and Soul Silver, they replaced it with a Lapras. With a Lapras. I don't like that. That nerfs him a little bit. A little bit. Yeah, because think about it. Now he has two Waters and no Psychics. Mm-hmm. You know that kind of nerfs him in terms of team composition. Um, a little bit, but I still got my ass kicked in that too. I <laughs> recently finished gold, and I still can't beat red, and I can't go back. <laughs> it's so bad, uh, dude. At the end of the day, it's like, you know, Pokemon didn't get here by accident. Actually, you no. Know before I get into this whole like little ending monologue, speaking of Pokemon making a comeback, you're a fan of the new anime. Oh. Yeah, man. We got to talk about that if we're going to talk about Pokemon making a comeback. Oh, so, 100%. I haven't seen one second of the of any episode, so I'll leave it to you to give your take on it for the audience. All right. So the premise of the se- of the season, right, is that uh first of all, the first episode is like a little flashback to when Pikachu was a Pichu and he met like he met Mew and that's and it was Professor o- like summer camp that ash was too late for so he didn't go but the new the co-main character go was there and that's where he ran into mew too and like so they had like a previous bond but they didn't really know each other so the whole season is about go and he's trying to catch every pokemon to and work his way up to mew and you have him and ash and now ash is trying to win the Pokemon World Tournament, World Championship. And he has to move up the ranks so he can beat Leon. 
And now what's really cool is that they're also working as like assistants to like a new Pokemon professor's uh, lab. So they've been going to different regions and beating people in, in, they just had a, a rematch with Ash fought um, one of the gym leaders from Kalos again, the one with the Lucario. And, and that was such an epic fight. And you get char- a character like Go who's catching, catching all these Pokemon. So at least someone has them. But then you get Ash who's like getting these competitive Pokemon. He's got his Pikachu. He's got uh, uh, Dragonite. He's got Gengar. He's got uh, Riolu. He's got his Mr. Mime. And he has um, uh, uh, Galarian Farfetch'd now. So we can assume he's going to get a Surfetch'd. But that's a solid fucking team. And the battles, oh my god. To see Ash use a Gengar, to see him use a fucking Dragonite in a, in a battle is like... This guy was a champion. Oh, he's been in Pokemon leagues. This guy knows what he's doing, and it's so why I doesn't highly he recommend. Yes, and I said. And so why doesn't he age? Why doesn't he age? Oh. Is he in a dream? Is he in a coma? Do you remember that theory? Did you study that theory that. back in the day? I remember that. Yeah. yeah. And and his father was never there because something like I, I don't know, but that's that was insane. I remember reading that it was years ago, and it's like, fuck, maybe I don't want to be into this right now. Because you never know, right? That's the thing about a good theory is they, they, they convince you that it just might be true, and that's enough right. to really like spark your imagination. But look, as we said, Pokemon's been there the whole time, like as far back as we can remember. We really, I just, like almost like a friend who I just want to see like have a good life. I just want to yeah. see Pokemon thrive. I want to see it continue to grow and expand and do better. Um, sword and shields. I'll say one foot in the water. You know, there yeah. are some things they did that are incredible and have a chance to revitalize the series. Looking at you, wild area. And there are some parts of it that are warts. Looking at you, visual aesthetics. Um, and yes, those things matter. Those things do matter. Yeah, of course they matter. Um, but at the end of the day, they're starting to make some good moves. The anime is doing well. The Sword and Shield DLC seems to be moving in the direction of wild area exploration, moving the camera. I'm fucking down, Tundra. Yeah, I'm fucking down too. And, you know, and the anime is doing well. So it's like, I think for the first time in years, Pokemon's starting to really get me excited, you know, because I enjoyed Sword and Shield, but... Maybe I'm a fool for raising the bar for the next game and thinking they're going to exceed my expectations, but I just have this gut feeling that Game Freak really might do it. It might start with these Diamond and Pearl remakes, which will be, you know, easily digestible. You know, it's a, it's a tried and true formula doing these remakes. People are going to love it. And I really think Gen 9, they're really going to try and correct the flaws of previous generations. Yes. I really think so. You know what's been uh, uh, talked about too? That there's rumors about either the Diamond and Pearl remake or they're going to do a freaking Johto uh, Let's Go. Yeah, I heard about the Johto Let's Go. Um, Here's the thing. All right, here's my thoughts on that. 
I'd take the Diamond and Pearl remake a million times over. Like, easy, easy decision for me. But let's go, Jodo. I feel the same way about let's go, Pikachu, and let's go, Eevee. It's like, that'll be fun. Right. But, but you better hope I don't have a big gaming backlog because if I do, I'm right. not going to play it. Right. When was the last time you picked up Let's Go Pikachu or Eevee? <laughs> like three <laughs> weeks ago. Like three weeks ago, just to put all those Pokemon into Pokemon Home. That's, gotcha. Gotcha. I, I, I don't even, I didn't even finish the game, dude. That's the thing. Because, dude, here's the thing. First of all, I love fucking Gen 1. I love it. I've played that game more times than I can count. I just, I play yellow. If I was going to play, let's, let's go. I'd rather just play yellow. I'd rather play uh, Fire Red Leaf Green. Yeah. You know? And I respect yellow because yellow is like Ash's journey. So it's kind of right. cool. And, 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 that, and let's go is kind of like a remake of that. You it's know. true. But it's like, let's go, Jodo would be cool. But in, in my head, it'd be like, this is the side of Game Freak I don't like. I hate to say it because, like, I enjoyed Let's Go. It was fun riding the Charizard. But it's like, guys, can you get to the real work? Right. You know, like but you're, you're doing the on. same cookie cutter thing. I was going to get ready to wrap this up, but we have one more game to talk about before we close this out. Can you guess where I'm going with this? Let's do it. Pokemon Snap, baby. I don't know. Pokemon Snap. That is a genius move. Genius move. Because you know what Pokemon... They've known people have wanted it for years. They've wanted it for years. And at the end of the day, when you really think about it, once in a while, Pokemon makes a really good spinoff game. Once in a Mm -hmm. while, they make a spinoff. That is just fucking fantastic. Pokemon Tournament is a great example of this in recent memory. It's great. Um, yeah. Here, here, here's how fun. I feel about Let's Go Johto. I'd rather spend the money on Pokemon Tournament for the Switch yeah. than I would Let's Go Johto. But Pokemon I Snap. Agree. Yeah, yeah. And, and Pokemon Snap leaves a lot to get excited for. I'm excited. I, I think Pokemon could do it. I think they still have their fan base intact. Like, bro, I know people who don't even game. And because they got locked up in quarantine, they decided to download Game Boy emulators and play Pokemon. You know what I mean? So it's like, they're in people's heads forever. You've done it. Like, you have the base. Let's go. Time to hit some homers. But I think that's all uh, we've got for today. We're closing in on an hour here. Um, David, do you want to give me... Yeah, dude, we're at 50 minutes. Uh, At least that's what it says on my recording. We're probably a little bit ahead because we lollygagged in the beginning. But um, of course. But I want to leave some time here, David. If you want to give any final thoughts on whether or not Pokemon can make a comeback, and again, just remind the people where they can find you and what you do. Gotcha. Okay. So uh, I do think Pokemon can make a comeback. They just do need to make very, very, very big changes because the stagnation that we've been feeling for the past however many years whatever you want to say is just not working anymore and for for people who for it to be the most profitable franchise or the most prop popular franchise in the world and they're not trying to push the boundaries a little bit 
is kind of just insulting, to be honest, uh, to people who have been paying and for people who are paying now $60 for a mainline game instead of the usual like 35 um I, I do think if they if they make the changes they can get it back and uh to close it out david freese brown sugar blind eye by albinos blind blah 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 blah, blah, blah. <laughs> brown sugar and the blind albinos uh writing a new album coming soon as soon as we can play a gig we will be back to the live shows i can't fucking wait I hate not playing live in front of people because I can't get my lunatic stage guy out. <laughs> so uh, I'm looking forward to that coming back. So, and I hope all the sages of the lodge, everyone listening, everyone out there has been doing well in this, this past, however long it's been in this current time that we're, we're in. And I hope everyone's safe and happy and healthy. Amen, brother. So for those of you listening, if you want to follow David Freeze or Brown Sugar and the Blind Albinos, I'll have links in the description, uh, especially on YouTube. I will uh, have some directions in the Spotify and Apple podcast link uh, descriptions too. Sorry, please. You'll know where to find them. It's easy to find them. Um, you know, thank you for looking out for the sages. You are a sage yourself, and I'm glad you brought them up because we're going to close this episode out with a thank you right in their direction. So to the sages of the lodge, those of you who donate monthly to keep the lodge rolling, this thank you is for you. So thank you, Alex Pamal. Thank you, baddest motherfucker in the Southwest, Shane Thomas Driscoll. Thank you, Chris Burkowski. Thank you, Maria Palmieri. Thank you, Andrew Parker. Thank you, Julie Rossman. Thank you, Nick Taborski. Thank you, Kevin McBride. Thank you, Michael Fay. Thank you, Rick Richard Arnold. Thank you, Dan Muller. Thank you, Andrew Clay. Thank you, Roger Kemp. Thank you, Charlotte Astry. And of course, of course, thank you, today's guest, David Freeze. We are building something that is a lot of fun. I'm having a lot of fun. I love having all you people on, just talking about all this crazy stuff. It's a crazy world we're living in. We're living in it together. We're going to get through it together. Everyone out there, stay safe. Much love to you and your families. And David, thank you for coming on once again. Thank you for having me. Take care, everybody.